How have you been, Nick? I I'm good. Work is good. I'm very Worky. busy, but I feel like everything I've been doing for the last two and a half years here is finally starting to work and take off. So that's um, ow. Sorry, cat jumped on my leg. Damn it, rocket! Damn it, rocket! Go somewhere. There's a bed right there. I didn't just didn't just chuck the cat off camera. <laughs> this cold open brought to you by titty animal, throwing. Animal violence. Have you thrown oh. your kitten this morning? I she was she was about to lay down and then I made eye contact with her and she's like, I'm gonna come over by you. <laughs> And now I got Frankenstein laying on my leg where she clawed me. So like, Aww. and the dog's afraid of the dog's afraid of Rocket. I, I don't blame Frankenstein one bit. Yeah. Uh, anyways, continue about how good work is going. Uh, <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um like I'm uh. actually too busy. Uh, like. To complete all my work, which is good, but we brought somebody in, a part-time editor, who um, has been a really great asset, and our office manager, who we've had for a while now, is doing really great things, so like, I'd come into work, and things got done, and there's stuff that I didn't even expect it to be as good as it was that happened. And it's do you have someone great, to get you but, coffee yet? Is that a thing? Um, I totally do. Uh, is... Uh, a handsome gentleman, um, blonde, uh, shorter beard than he used to have. His name is Nick, and he gets my coffee. <laughs> That's uh, fair. My office, That's fair. My office manager has offered to get me coffee, um, and I'm like, no, that's not your job. She's like, that's the kind of thing that a secretary would do. I'm like, you're not my secretary. You're an office manager. You manage I, my office. I still remember when uh, my first time on a professional set. And it just so happened to be that I was directing. And that was probably when I peaked at filmmaking. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> done much time. else. I haven't done much else good since then. But uh, it was when I was making my film um, Love You Still. I think I showed you that one about the old man and the and the, um, I the saw, boat. I saw that at the festival. Yes, of course. Yes, I forgot that was playing there. Because it was weird that <laughs> both From the Darkest Theater right. and that were playing. Um, but... I, uh, my first day on set, and it was raining a little bit, but not too bad, you know, like, like where you could still stand out there, and, but we had right. to wait for the rain to stop to shoot, or else it wouldn't match. And, um, he was doing DI, uh, DIT, so he was, uh, he was the guy, like, after we finished shooting red footage, we handed it off to him, he puts, he, like, digitizes it, and, you know, puts it onto a hard drive, and does all that shit. Okay. He comes up to me, he's like, hey, boss, you want a cup of coffee? I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> and I'm it's, like... Me? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, this guy right here? And he's like, yeah, you want a cup of coffee? I'm like... Sure, where is it? I'll go grab it. He's like, no, I'm going to get it for you. I'm like, why? Why? What did I do to deserve this? Uh, you know what that is. Filmmakers from the Midwest. <laughs> like, yes. We don't want people doing stuff for us. Yeah, and it's like... And Salt it's like, of the earth, meat and potatoes. Like, you guys need help at the end of that. You guys need help with, uh, putting those lights away. And, you know, I found out if I would have been on a real, real professional set of unions, I would have gotten fired for that. Right, yeah. Like I found out, it's so strict that like, say I'm on I'm on camera, and someone does my makeup, someone does my hair. If my hair is in the way and on my makeup, makeup can't remove it. They have to call hair over to do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny, like, my mom's always like, doesn't doesn't knowing shit like that ruin movies for you? He's like, no, it makes it better, especially because if I can watch a movie and forget about all this stupid, trivial shit I know, it's working. That That's the sign of a really good movie, right? Yeah. But then there'll be sometimes I would watch and it's like, I want to know what the lighting setup was on this bitch. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which will, will work into Godfather later on because I wonder that a lot through the movie. It's like, where'd they hide lights? <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's, with that wonderful segue. You mean not, uh, it wasn't intended to be a wonderful segue, but it kind of worked out that way. It was, it was smooth. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, then I guess I should do my intro, because I can't do my intro without saying on camera that I should do my intro. Take a sip of coffee first, get into character. A sip of coffee for the working man. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Shameless Picture Show. <laughs> I am your host, Michael Myers, and with me, as always, is the man who... Uh... uh I don't know. <laughs> uh, just so you know, if you hear a bell around at all, it's Rocket playing off a toy. Okay. So it's not it's not Tinkerbell, it's it's Rocket. It's, it's um, not some kind of classical conditioning you're trying to... <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it's actually funny, real quick, before I actually get to the intro... Um, I did um, the last episode I did of Amanda, and yep. we talked about baptism by movies. Uh, just uh, I thought it sounded nice, so I just went yeah. with that. Um, and it was so weird. Like every time I've done an episode with her, and she's like, I've sat across from her, and I had to like get into character. It always <laughs> feels weird because like I know I, like even just like when I'm talking to someone else, I get into character. But like right. when I have to do this by myself. I feel like anytime, listeners, you, I'm by myself. It's closer to what I'm really like than when I'm talking to someone. So anytime that I record like one of uh, my uh, one of my Blu-ray reviews, that's me. That, this is that a is character. Actual this is a character. This isn't. I'm not nearly as fun as I seem. And if I don't seem fun at all, then you know, pray for my wife. <laughs> Because, like, even Amanda was like, when I was listening to our episode, which I love that now she's listening back to shit that she was on. Like, I don't know why I found that amusing. <laughs> um, and uh, and she's like, when you started talking about um, Star Time, it's like, you, you just sounded different. And I was like, well, yeah, because I got no one to talk against. It's just <laughs> me talking to this microphone. And that Ow. this microphone can be very intimidating. <laughs> yes, it can. <laughs> now, I'm not going to take my for real sip of coffee for the working man. Today's episode of the Shameless Picture Show is sponsored by Vinegar Syndrome. Check them out online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the most interesting DVD and Blu-ray labels around because of their extensive catalog of horror, cult, exploitation, and vintage sexploitation films. Unlike most companies, Vinegar Syndrome is also a restoration company with their own in-house lab where they've done new restorations for companies such as Arrow, Massacre Video, and Draft House Films. Check out Vinegar Syndrome today and grab your copy of Dolomite, Sugar Cookies, Jack Frost, or even Psycho Cop Returns. While I'm a little more knowledgeable about the label than my co-host, I can assure you that I love their stuff. Whenever I'm at a convention, their table is one of the first I hit, and much to my wife's chagrin, I spend way too much time go going over every single title. I own quite a few. So, once again, head over to www.vinegarsyndrome.com and grab yourself something cool. Seriously, my money is on Christmas Evil. Go buy it. It's John Waters' favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> Therefore, it should be yours. 
He does a commentary on it. It's it's kind of <laughs> great. He does a commentary with the director, which it's even better because he has a completely different like opinion of what the movie's about than the director, which makes it even better. Vinegar Syndrome. Check them out online at www.vinegarsyndrome.com. That's for fucking with me, you no business born insecure motherfucker. Warning, this movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. If this doesn't appeal to you, why listen to a movie podcast? Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Welcome to another episode of the Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Byers, and with me, as always, is a man that taught me one simple truth. In Sicily, women are more dangerous than shotguns. Nick Richards. Yeah, you had that one prepared, though, because I, I you, heard, you knew yeah, where I was going with it last, last week. <laughs> I didn't remember it, but when you said it, I'm like, ah, oh, yes, that feels I, like as I was As I was watching the movies, like, that's that's the line. Because, like, there's a lot of great lines in this movie, but nothing that really works for our intro. And right. I've gotten lucky that every movie I have found something. First you get the shooter, then you then get, you the, get the power, and then you get the women. That, I have to say, is one of my favorite Homer Simpson speeches of all time. Uh, not that part, though, but, like, the part later on when cluck he's talking about... Cluck their beards. When the society fathers are cluck their beards. No, cluck their tongues and stroke their beards. And what have happened to Homer Simpson? What's, what's to be done with this Homer Simpson? The, ter- just... the terrible highs, the, the horrible lows, and the sweet nougaty middles. Must protect sugar. Thieves everywhere. The strong must protect the sweet. The sweet. In America, first you get the sugar, then you get the power, then you get the women. Homer! Homer! What? I want you to forget about guarding the stupid sugar. You're being completely paranoid. Oh, am I? Am I really? Uh-huh. Hello. All right, pal. Where'd you get the sugar for that tea? I nicked it when you let your guard down for that split second. And I'd do it again. Goodbye. You see, Marge? You see? Homer, when are you going to give up this crazy sugar scheme? Never! Never, Marge. I can't live the button-down life like you. I want it all. The terrifying lows. The dizzying highs. The creamy middles. Sure. I might offend a few of the blue noses with my cocky stride and musky odors. Oh, I'll never be the darling of the so-called city fathers who cluck their tongues, stroke their beards, and talk about what's to be done with this homie Simpson. Look, just get rid of the sugar, okay? No! I was just telling uh, somebody my favorite Futurama line of all time. It's, um... Thanks to denial, I'm immortal. To, to this day, the line that makes me laugh the hardest anytime I hear it is when Hermes is standing on the roof and my Bender goes, Do a flip! <laughs> it's so simple, but it makes me laugh. 
But uh, on an unrelated note, on today's episode, we'll be discussing Francis Ford Coppola's masterpiece of cinema, The Godfather. Rocket! Whatever you're doing, stop it! It's an interesting synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of rhymes. Have watched the same film? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, just, I just watched a movie and said it was The Godfather. Uh... <laughs> Directed by Francis Ford Coppola from a screenplay written by Mario Puzo and Coppola based on a novel by the same name written by Mario Puzo. Puzo's a fun name to say. (laughs) The Godfather tells the story of the Corleone crime family during a 10-year period from 1945 to 1955. Don Vito Corleone is the aging patriarch of the family and we follow his quick fall from grace after an attempted hit on his life from a young drug pusher named Salazzo. While down for the count, Vito's son Sonny takes over the business for his father as they plot revenge on the men in, on the men involved with the failed assassination on his father. While this is happening, a war breaks out amongst the crime families, and Vito's youngest son Michael reluctantly becomes involved in the family business. Coppola's film is heralded as one of the great films of all time, and was officially selected to be preserved in the U.S. National Film Registry of the Library of Congress in 1990 for being culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. What do you want me to do what I beg you to do? Now you come to me and you say, I'm Corleone, give me justice. You come into my house and you ask me to murder me. I ask you for justice. That is not justice. They want to get mixed up in the family business? You got to get them close like this, and bing, you blow their brains all over your nice cyber league suit. You know my father. Men are coming here to kill him. I worked my whole life. I don't apologize to take care of my family. And I refused to be a fool. Dancing on the string held by all those big shots. It's not personal. It's strictly business. Nice. Yeah. Well, that this go. is a hard movie to summarize yeah. in such a short way because there's a lot going on. Because like as I started writing the the synopsis, I was like, okay, I mentioned Don Vito. Fuck, I can't just go straight to Michael because there's that middle part where Sonny takes over, and it's like each person kind of has their moment to shine, or you know, in Sonny's case, crash <laughs> and burn. Get gunned down in a hail of machine gun fire at a toll booth. Yeah, I just... I don't, spoilers. I just love that the fucking uh, guy man in the toll booth just drops a coin. He's like, oops, oops and, just kneels, <laughs> and just kneels down as everyone else like, yeah, it just blows him away. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> oh, damn, damn fingers don't work like they used to. I'll be right back. I'll just be lying on my stomach. In the I just... I just thought of the guy from um, UHF. Oops, butterfingers. He just goes to... <laughs> oh, emo Phillips. Um, 
So, so where do you where do you want to dive in here? Well, it's weird because like normally we go with what the person who hasn't seen it, what they thought about it. Neither of us has seen it, but technically at the point of recording this, I've seen it three times. Right. Yeah, because we had so many <laughs> uh, false starts on this episode. Um, well, let's ask this. I don't, I don't oh, no, think continue. it quite hit Buffy level of next time on the Shameless Picture Show, we won't watch what we said we were going to watch. One or two more episodes. I mean, actually, Amanda thinks it's better than Buffy in terms of our build-up. I don't agree. Okay. But... Though how? she has the outside perspective on it. That's fair. That like we, we might be too into it. Maybe. Like, what, what episode was Buffy? Do you remember what episode Buffy is? Boo, no. 14, I'm gonna 15, look. 16, somewhere in that. Uh, it is... 11. So that was eleven episode build. Yeah, this one was only about nine episode build because did, we had talked we, about. Did we talk about it from the very beginning? I think that was like one of the plans, right off the bat for season two. Like maybe right okay. after Suspiria, because I was like, "Hey, I want to talk about The Godfather because it's on Netflix." And life found a way to not make that movie happen. <laughs> right, but here we I, are now, after technical difficulties and scheduling conflicts. I do have to say, it's amusing, real quick, before we actually talk about The Godfather, going back and looking at season one, and like, and then season two just seems so weird to me, like the fact that it went from like, Dirty Harry to you're the hunter from the future, I don't know. <laughs> season two has been a hoot thus far. <laughs> a hoot and a holler. Yeah. But anyways, what did you right, think so of The Godfather? Um, I, I'm going to say uh, I really enjoyed it, but I'm going to temper that. And it's going to segue back into my controversial uh, Shakespeare opinion of that when you, when you go into anything where the only correct response socially is, it's the greatest thing ever, yeah. then I'm, I'm always, um, I, I, it's not that I go in ready to not like it or, or tear it apart, but I'm, you're one of those society fathers with clucking their tongues. Yeah, what's to be done with this Francis Francis Ford Coppola? Uh, is it Coppola? Coppola? I've heard it said both ways. I think Coppola okay. sounds nicer, so okay. that's the way I'm saying it. <laughs> I'm gonna go Coppola. That way, I cover mm. all my bases. There you Caupola. go. Coppola. <laughs> um, and and quite frankly, it didn't crack my top favorite films. It was it was good. It had many great moments. I would never, if I was was assembling the greatest films ever made list, this wouldn't be on it. No, not like, not because there's anything wrong with it, but because may, maybe I just didn't relate to the material in a way that others did. Um, it, it was good, well acted. It was entertaining. Um, some of the uh, um, we'll say political elements of it i had a hard time following especially in the first act like okay why did he kill that person and what is that person's like following all of the families and the motives of each individual person and why are they killing that person at this point for for what reason uh, lost me a bit until if you oh if you watch it two more times like i did you'll be fine (laughs) it'll right yeah i kind of figured that was one that just requires a couple extra viewings to lock in 
Because, like, the first time I watched it, I watched it with uh, Amanda, but I watched most things. Amanda, it's like, you know when you, you sometimes you'll say, like, oh, this is the type of movie you want to watch alone with a person. Watch, this is, the, watching a movie with Amanda is kind of like watching it alone because it's, she watches movies the very similar way that I do. It's not like having, say, like, my buddy Kyle or someone over where, like, you're almost in host mode where, like... Right, right. Like it's it's it, she's an extension of me, so it's easier to watch things with her. But the first time I watched, I watched it with Amanda, and then her best friend Emma was visiting from Florida, and Emma brought her girlfriend Clarissa, and we all watched together. And we had, a, and it's funny, I wouldn't take back that screening for anything because there was some great, like holy shit moments. Like, <laughs> like we all literally cheered in the living room when Sonny beat the shit out of his brother-in-law. <laughs> right. Like we literally <laughs> cheered. Or, like, some of the... Because, like, it's just a slow-moving movie. When there was scenes of violence, it was really fucking violent. Right. Especially for its time period. Like, what, 1972? Like, some of those scenes, like, and were, were super well orchestrated. And it's one of those things, it's like, it teeters... If I had... Because I'm, I'm letterboxed, I've been kind of forcing myself to be a little bit more critical about how, what i think about films i'm not like trashing anything but like try to sit because like when i was a kid not everything I was like, could be a five star <laughs> yeah i was like i loved it i loved it i loved right. I, I loved everything like without a paddle was a five-star movie for me when i was a kid <laughs> without a paddle is a great film <laughs> i do love it without a paddle i don't know if i'd give it five stars but i'd still love it because and, like, and I, his soundtrack with 38 special on it is i'm, I'm yep. is okay with me <laughs> And then, like, I think I told you, I'm making a map, because of Edgar Wright, the filmmaker, I, yep. he, he made a list of his 1,000 favorite films. <laughs> and then, um, I've tried to see if I can mimic that. I'm only up to, like, 300. Okay. I'm going back and forth if I, if I would add The Godfather, because, like, on Letterboxd, I, it's teetering anywhere, depending on the day, it'll go from four stars to four and a half. And it's never quite gets to the five star point because on a technical level it's brilliant on an acting level it's brilliant i want after three times i've grown to like the characters finally yeah i just there there was a thing that's that's not clicking with me wait with a movie like gone with the wind i can see why this was a massive hit even yeah. though like if you view it from today's standards there's a lot of things wrong with it but I can see why it was a hit. You go back and watch Star Wars, the original Star Wars. Forget everything else you know about Star Wars. Just watch that first movie. You can you see why this was a massive totally. hit. I think I have... I'm with you on Godfather. It's, it hasn't clipped in. I haven't found, like, why it was such a big success yet. Because, like, I think I've said on a previous episode that Francis Ford Coppola was a director always known to be an amazing director, but... I hadn't seen Godfather. Well, technically, I saw it one time, but I don't remember anything about it yeah. before all this. And I hadn't seen Apocalypse Now. Like for me, like the movie that made me realize that Francis Ford Coppola was a great director was Peggy Sue Got Married. Of all the fucking <laughs> movies. Charlie, let's make love. What? You mean sex? <laughs> Intercourse. You want to have intercourse? Last weekend, you said. What time is it? Holy cow. It's late. A lot of things have happened since last weekend. But you were the one who said we should wait, and you were right. We should wait till we get married. Well, I, I know I must have believed that when, but when I said it, but... The, oh, doesn't Lucky Chucky want to come out? Huh? No. Your love machine, your throbbing thrill hammer, your thing. 
You mean my wang? <laughs> the correct opinion. <laughs> and then, like, because, like, as, as I've researched the film, I didn't get to do as much research as I like to when we do a movie, or, or when we talk about a movie. Um, I've heard very mixed things about what it was like on set. Because okay. Coppola was constantly battling the studios. Because they kept saying, "Well, this this the the topic the subject matter is too grim, and all the footage you're sending to us is far too dark." Um, <laughs> he was constantly battling with the cinematographer. While he Coppola believed the film should be darker, he was constantly battling with the cinematographer because he was making everything so rigid. Because if if, and if just to clarify, when you say darker, do you mean the light, the actual the lighting, lighting? the actual okay. lighting, not um, the subject matter? Yeah, because like for example, like. Al Pacino's a very... He's gonna do whatever fuck he wants to do in a scene. And if he'd move his head the wrong way, he'd be completely in, in darkness in the, in, in the scene. So he had to be very rigid. So that was, like, making actors not very happy. Um, <laughs> and it just seemed like it was a stressful fucking movie. And because of that, it's like... Granted, that has nothing to do... Like, you know, you watch the movie and it doesn't seem... Like, it seems like it was probably... I don't know. For me, it's like it, I can kind of feel that it's, it seemed like it was not a stressful movie to make. But after reading about everything, like, I don't know. It's hard for me to explain where I'm getting at with that. Yeah. Like it, that that shouldn't determine whether or not a movie is any good. But um, but it can affect the tone of the final piece. Yeah. Not that it, it has to, but it certainly has in, uh, I, many times. I do have to say, though, with all these restrictions and everything, I thought um, I thought all the acting was great and. Uh, Michael uh, Al Pacino is really fucking charming. I forget how charming he could be when he was younger. He, like, it took me half the film to realize that that was Al Pacino because they're all such babies. He actually he looked nothing. to me, he looked more like young Dustin Hoffman than he did young Al Pacino. Like, I uh, kept thinking back to The Graduate. Yeah, and it's like it's, sometimes it's crazy to think about these younger actors: Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Dustin Hoffman. Like, Diane where they're yeah, Diane Keaton, um, or even sometimes Richard Gere, like what their careers are like when they are younger versus now. Because like you look at a, a mo almost every actor we just mentioned, and they are like they've got their character that they play, right? And you go back and watch them when they are younger. Like Richard Gere was once one of the most charming fuckers ever on camera, and now I can't stand to look at his white haired ass. <laughs> And then, like Al Pacino, it's like I think I just like sent a woman hua. Like I just think of that guy and right. like yeah, the devil's he, advocate Al Pacino, and, and he's just so young and charming in this movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was cute seeing them as little baby faced uh, <laughs> youngins. Like, uh, um, I'm trying to think of the best way for us to discuss this film. Only thing I can think of is like if we just bring up points or talk about certain segments. Because like one thing I, I eventually want to talk about, if we don't talk about it just right now, because we never follow the movie chronologically. Yeah. I have to ask, what did you think of the segment in Italy? I that is what I have been thinking about the most since I watched it. It's probably my favorite part of the movie. Really, my take on it is if you pulled all that all of those sequences out of the film. I think it would be the exact same movie. Well, no, it definitely would be, but it's the stuff that I found most interesting. It didn't necessarily work towards the plot, but I kept thinking, man, I would much rather see a movie just set in Italy. And then I think uh, uh, 
with the, with this character and, and, F- and my buddy Fink, who was supposed to be on this episode, told me he's like, "Oh, then you'd love Godfather too, because it's, uh, the film is all about Michael taking over the crime family, and half of it is about Don Vito as a young man building his crime empire in Italy." Okay. And uh, Robert De Niro plays young Vito, and I was like, "Perfect." Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. No. Like I felt like. I, I felt like you could have had Michael just like, all right, we have to ship you away. Not seen him. You kept getting lines like, oh, I need to get this letter to Michael. Like his absence was still felt. And re-edit it without any of that. And then when he returns, you have the same exact film. The the, only th- the whole wife thing oh. like, almost wrapped up. Like, oh, we blew her up and now I'm going to go back to my girlfriend who never even heard about my wife. And like and, there were no yeah. zero consequences. You know, it, 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 like, that type of stuff kind of bugged me a little bit, but, like, if we were to re-edit this, we'd have to add, like, an Indiana Jones, like, map with, like, the dotted line going to Italy. <laughs> um, no, it's it's funny, because it's, like, it does not work in the context of the film, but, like, there's this, and, and maybe I liked it so much because it reminded me of a Western, because everyone's just walking around with, like, fucking pistol arrows and guns right. on their shoulders and shit. Um, and, well, there, and but there's, oh, His body guard that, like, betrayed him at oh the end my God, without that, any That really pissed me off without any like i had a lot of narrative problems with it. i visually i agree you know and even thematically like going back to the to where it all began where all where this crime family the fact he, he's living in a town named at, like that with his right. name like he says That's, he says his name and everyone just kind of like hushes up right that stuff was all great but i feel like it was wasted that yeah. all of those sequences were wasted because they didn't do anything. He got married, taught her how to drive, and then she blew up. Uh, his body cards, like... <laughs> There's no way to say that sentence without making, without making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, I never believed that he really cared for this woman, but also it wasn't an important point that he didn't care about her either. It was like... It, it meant nothing to me, and... And I want it to mean something. And that's why I've still been thinking about it. Like, I'm trying to look at it from different angles and go, oh, okay, here, here's what I was missing. I, I, I think I haven't part found of, it yet. A, part, a couple of reasons why I like it so much is, one, I think it's a nice breath of fresh air. Because sometimes you forget, like, in context in movies when something takes place. Like, yeah, the clothing and cars and everything. But sometimes you just forget, like, seriously, what the world was like at this time. Yeah. And you're like, through most of the movie, it's like, well, it's 1940s New York. Like, hell, you got 1940s New York in Dark City. So sometimes it's kind of for- hard to forget, like, or, like it's, it's easy to forget, like, contextually where you're at. When we went yeah. to Italy, it was almost like we got to see what how the rest of the world... Because you go to Italy now, people are dressed like we do now. You go to Italy then, it was still the fucking Old West. Right. In terms of of dress and the way people acted, it was like I was just watching uh, the original Ocean's Eleven a little bit last night, the one of the Rat Pack. Yep. And they had a line. It's like, um, you know, someone's talking to Frank Sinatra, and they're like, a, "A crime like this has never been committed before. What makes you think you can do it?" Is he's like the same reason no one's ever gone to the moon yet because they they lack the equipment. And I was like, "Oh shit, this movie's made before anyone walked on the moon." Right. <laughs> and I just I, I had to pause the movie and just sit there like, "Oh shit," like it just. <laughs> Plus, it had one of my favorite com- uh, moments of comedy in the movie when they're in Italy. When is when he was courting the uh, his, his first wife's father, 
Yeah. And there was like they're talking about the girl, and there was a second bodyguard who just repeated everything the other person said. <laughs> so much so they didn't have to like they didn't even subtitle it. Yeah. Like you just got the idea that he's just repeating the last word the last guy said, no matter totally. every time. And I, I, every time I've watched this movie, it's made me laugh. Yeah. So, like, it, it's a dumb reason for it being one of my favorite parts of the film, but it, same as you, but for different reasons. I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, and, and all those are good points. I just wish that it mattered more to the movie to make all of those enjoyable parts not feel like that, like, those parts alone weren't enough for me to go, oh, I'm glad that's in there. Yeah, and there's a, there's quite a bit too that may, I wish it was it mattered more. Like there's some great scenes of violence in this movie that I don't feel like re- it mattered, but like I don't feel like the boiling point was as big as I wanted to. I guess maybe one could argue that this is um, of a more realistic aspect where you know things don't have the big dramatic boiling point that they do in movies. But like, so Salazzo's a drug pusher who wants to get who wants the mob's money to bankroll him. Yeah. The uh, Don Vito doesn't want to get involved in that because he's he's just about gambling, you know, to send a message that they shoot Don Vito and like I feel like that should have been a like it was a big moment but like what led up to Salazzo getting killed was not nearly as big as I was hoping like they they kidnap Tom Higgins and give him a drink and right like it's 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 the build up was weird like I said there's well, some great memorable scenes and a lot of nothing in between the, even the, when they went to hollywood like that whole sequence was not important to the movie Had right nothing. Uh, uh vegas no no when they went to hollywood at the very beginning of the movie because the sing that one singer guy asked them for a favor oh i didn't realize they went to hollywood i don't remember the favor stuff but no, anyways, no. When they went to Hollywood at the very beginning of the film, because he they wanted to get that one singer that part in the movie, right? And that's what that when the horsehead scene came up, and it's like none of this is important. <laughs> like yeah, it's Even, a cool scene, and it's a really cool thing to do to a person, but <sighs> but why why Hollywood? Um, the in talking about the build up, um, even the build up to shooting of Brando. Um, like I, it took me, it wasn't until he was already shot and on the ground that I realized that it, that was even that character. Yeah. Because of kind of lack of buildup. They just kind of showed this back of a person picking up fruit and buying it. And there was no, but you're also watching it on a cell phone to be fair. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Not making fun of you at all. Just, no, just no, saying no, that part of it. <laughs> <laughs> that may have had an effect on the final thing. Now, if you're playing the movie on a telephone, you will never in a trillion years experience the film. You'll think you have experienced it, but you'll be <clears throat> cheated. It's a, such a sadness that you think you've seen a film on your fucking telephone get real yeah i had to uh we talked about this last time we tried to shoot this um when it finally came down to okay i have to make sure that i force myself to watch this because that's a great I've reason to so watch busy lately so and and then i'm like pulling it up i'm like three hours jesus and i ended up watching it in like three one hour segments throughout the day all on a cell phone just 
I was never like in a place where I could sit down in front of a TV and watch it. I feel like that's not a bad way to watch it though, because I've, it, it kind of feels like a Netflix series. Then, yeah, yep. I, I binge watched The Godfather. <laughs> a buddy of mine told me he's like that's the best way to watch uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Okay, it's like a four five, four and a half hour movie. Oh he's Jesus! Like, watch it in half hour increments, and then it feels <laughs> like a Netflix series. <laughs> Just, like, pre-record the titles so you can play it every time right before you sit down to watch it. I have to say, what, uh, I'm kind of looking at my notes right now. One of the lines that ma- really makes me laugh a little bit is at the very beginning, like, when Don Vito is, like, um, granting wishes or favors. because he, he Wishes because he's a genie. On right. His <laughs> daughter's, on his daughter's... Uh, on this, the day of my daughter's wedding. <laughs> on his daughter's wedding. Which, by the way, it was played by Talia Shire, who's Adrian and Rocky. I don't okay. know if you recognized her or not. Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> uh, but he says, uh, we are not murderers, despite what this Undertaker thinks. I just love that he had to throw Undertaker... Like, I don't know. Like, that, it... It's, I don't know if it was intended to be a line of comedy, but just the way that line is written kills me. Yeah. Uh, one one thing that I found interesting about that opening sequence was how... Okay, so they're, they're contrasting, and they, it goes back and forth between this sequence in his darkened office where he's granting wishes as the genie he is, um, and then this wedding that's taking place outside in the sun... Um, and there's no very little crime activity or hints that they're a crime family in any of those outdoor sequences. So it's, I thought it did a good job of highlighting um, how, like out in the open, they are these normal people who can exist in society. They're not completely, you know, holed up in their crime dens you know they're no, they're out exactly. in society and they are seen as probably most chances are most people know who they are and know to avoid them but uh they're not being arrested just by showing up on the street they, no they exactly society. and i appreciated that like tuning like for the most part the, a lot of the characters are not caricatures they are pretty three-dimensional even someone like sunny who is a is a hot-headed character has got some depth behind them, yeah. which I appreciate. It the, uh, the whole wedding scene actually kind of. Well, I will. I'll talk more about this in a second. Well, I think it's a completely weird fucking structure of how to <laughs> begin a movie. Yeah. The whole wedding sequence reminded me of. Did you ever watch Sons of Anarchy at all? No. Well, the uh, first like one of the first couple episodes in the first season. There's like you know, so they're a motorcycle gang and pretty much known to be such. They are like one of the first episodes. They are throwing a chair, like a charity uh, event for children. So they have like a oh, fair setup, nice. <laughs> and like w- one of the guys is like per- being an Elvis performer, and one of the guys is in like the dunk tank, and like their their organization is throwing the event. So it's like right. everyone knows who they are. There's whispers about what they do, but they are there for the community. Yeah. that's kind of an interesting way to add some depth to their characters but that being said that wedding sequence is a really weird way to introduce the film because you you struggled for a while to even think who the fuck is the main character of this movie because like there is no real main character but no like the person the person's arc who we follow the most which be i guess would technically be michael because i think because that's where it ends yeah and then we but... follow him through the rest of the films like he's just kind of like there 
being very careful about what he says to Kay. Um, and then it's just the intercutting between the wedding and him yeah. granting faith. It's, it's just a weird way to begin a movie. And it's like the first 30 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. I think that worked for it, though. It, it it set the tone for what the rest of the film is going to be in, in that non-traditional uh, storytelling fashion. Um, and I just lost my train of thought. That's all right. I have more I was going to say. <laughs> a couple little things I wanted to comment about that wedding scene is I love that Luca Brasi was rehearsing his speech, and then when he finally got to Don, Don Vito, <laughs> he was rehear- he was saying I exactly... Hope that your first child will be a masculine child. <laughs> yeah. There's so many parts of this film that I have seen over and over and over and over and over again, having never seen this film. And that's yeah. one of them. Like that, that rehearsed speech thing, you've seen that spoofed over and over again. Yep. Um, and then, like, you got the idea that Mike, like, one thing this, this scene did really well, too, is it, it kind of gave the idea that Michael is the odd man out. Right. That most of the family... I never wanted this for you. <laughs> most of the family doesn't really view him as part of the family. Because, you know, they keep commenting throughout the entire thing. It's like, oh, Michael doesn't got to worry. They know he's a civilian. Right. You know, yep. where they're like, oh, you're the safe one, if anything. So, like... Well, but Don Vito didn't want to take the family photo until Michael was in the photo, and everyone was, uh, was like, oh, Pop won't take the photo without Michael. And it's like, they don't <laughs> view him on the same level that that Don Vito does. And I also love, too, because like I've been in a situation like this where like Michael's like, okay, come get in the picture. Now this woman, who there was a good chance that she no one would ever see her again, is in their wedding photos. <laughs> right. I mean, he's going to go off to, uh, to overseas and get married to somebody else. Oh, but then he'll come back and reunite with his girlfriend. Yeah, and, once, once his wife his blows money. up, all, all, is, all is love and fair and, and love and war. All is fair and love and war. <laughs> um, back to the point you were making about um, the multiple dimensional characters. I was not expecting the Godfather... Um, to be, you know, he's really only that harsh guy in that beginning sequence, and even then, he's he's kind, but you're kind of anticipating that kindness to be tongue in cheek because he's running this crime family. But right right after that, he he's he's shopping for produce, and then he gets shot, and you see him in bed weak, and he's playing with his grandkids and talking about how much he loves his family. Uh, and then when Michael does take over, he talks about how I never wanted this. I didn't want this for me and you. I was making it so that I could give my kids a life that wasn't crime ridden. You know, like yeah. it, that that character was not what I was anticipating. No, he, he's far more dimensional than I would have ever anticipated him to be. Yeah. And that really worked for me. Um because like, and one thing that he did really well too was I've read an interview with Marlon Brando, and he said that his biggest thing is he, unless he really needed to, and I can only think of one scene off the top of my head where he did this, and it was when he was slapping around that singer at the beginning of the film when he was crying so much. Oh, yeah. Um, he said that he never want he he didn't want his character to yell because he's a man of power and didn't feel like he needed to. Yeah. Um, I'm just but, gonna pet this titty cat. Yeah, and I I just love that his his character came off as a as a person who, who did care, and you know one one sentiment you get throughout often in the film is it's not personal, it's business, and 
I, I've always viewed Don Vito as being a person who, who really lives that. Like, you know, none of his decisions or anything because of how he specifically feels about a person. It's because that's what he needs to do. Yeah, though I think both Sonny and Michael don't follow that, even though Michael might oh, no. say he does. And this is me having not seen or having, I have no idea what's coming with two or three. I kind of want to watch um, them, though. I'm kind of excited yeah. to see where they go, but continue. Um, but yeah, no, Sonny, it's easy to see. Like, he is all, all id and no He's so no two-faced. Thought. Like, there's that point early on, like, right after Don Vito is shot, and they're all just hanging out you, at the Don's house. Go get yourself something. You hungry? You should make sure you eat something. I want this guy dead. <laughs> I know. It's like, it was that seems like, oh, fuck Sonny, man. Because it's like, oh. Oh, because like, he annoys him? Like, he never gives yeah. a reason. It's just like, this guy bothers well, me. Well, it also was because Paulie was the guy that called in sick. Uh, so the reason that... Um, that oh, uh, he, he was blaming yeah him for his dad yeah i don't okay. remember which brother had to drive don Vito, but he comically bumbled the gun when, right. when he was supposed to be protecting the spot so paulie's the reason that sunny views that paulie being calling in sick is the reason that yep. so there's there's some motive behind it but it's so ridiculously two-faced <laughs> that like and then like you know sunny's all like you know you gotta do everything you can for your family you gotta love your family but he's 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 such a shitty family man. Right. Yeah. Um, Something else that this is starting to remind me of is how little the whole sister and her abusive husband thing, like, that didn't resolve at all. It seemed like just this tool for Sonny to want to get involved and then to get shot. But, like, even... Like, not because he got shot, then it was just ignored for the rest of it until Michael comes in at the end and says, you're, you know... You're out of the family. But even that, like, it just, it was so anticlimactic. Oh, it was super weird, too, because at first Michael tangent. was like, at first Michael was like, oh, you're going to run Vegas for us, and that was all just whatever. Um, and then, you know, he just let Sonny get on a plane. Yeah. It's like, oh, so this is, and like, I, I, I say this movie has got a Game of Thrones quality, wherein that a lot of characters are introduced at once, and most of them aren't even introduced on camera, so they're just saying, oh, this guy's Salazzo, or this person, you know, whomever, and it's like, wait, who the fuck are we talking about? And then at the very end, when they're blasting everyone away, which is a fantastic yeah. scene, intercut with the the um the baptism of his okay. of his uh, niece. Do you uh, renounce maybe evil as as he's, you're saying all of these hits that he is? But like they're shooting people that we've never seen before. <laughs> like okay, not all of them. Like you see Mo Green get killed. You get a couple. You see people come, right. like, but you see the actor who played uh, who was in Maniac, who was also the the mob boss in Rocky, get shot. And I was like, this is literally the oh, first okay. time we've seen this motherfucker. Why is he getting shot? He just wanted to go get a shave, right? So it's um, like it's it's such it's so weird like it's it's so hard for, like I, I think the movie is great kind of but <laughs> great kind of <laughs> um but for I I'm surprised I'm still surprised this movie is considered to be like one of the greatest films of all time yeah. like I don't know I I feel like I watch Goodfellas and I can see it <laughs> Goodfellas I like I like Goodfellas more than than this Michael Byers of the Shameless Picture Show raves it's great kind of. <laughs> I had to get that out. 
<laughs> but then, like, weird, there's weird things that happen in the movie. Like, you know, they talk about uh, Tatalia getting killed. You know, he's one of the heads of the other crime family. He gets killed off camera. They just talk yeah. about him getting killed. So here's, like, you know, a person that they want to whack because they believe he has something to do with their father's death, and we don't even see it. But we see... Sonny beat the shit out of his his, his brother-in-law, which I still yeah. think is great, but whatever. Or or the Don putting an orange wedge in his face, chasing his grandkid, and oh, then collapsing seem, from our heart attack. sad as fuck, man. <laughs> and um, then the little boy's like, come on, Grandpa, let's play. <laughs> I do kind of love, though, and I wish, it was, I wish there was a little more behind it. I love that Michael decided to take a stand for the family, and, like... He he willingly put himself in the situation to kill Salazzo and McCluskey, the cop. But like, I don't know what made him do it, other than his father's uh, shot. His Michael's motivation in this film is very mysterious, and if if that Italy sequence means anything, it's this because I I believe, having only seen it one time, um. That when he, uh, or I, this is what I suspect. Okay. That when when he kills those two people, he is trying to avenge his father, and he has every intent on doing that because he has to for the family. Goes away, hides all all that he needs to, and then he'll go back to the life that his father wants for him. That he okay. had always planned on on being a, you know not part of this. Uh, though I don't think it comes across, uh, I don't think it's presented properly. Then he goes away to hide in his home to where the family is from. And and I believe that sequence is supposed to be Michael's conversion. Because he goes back to the homeland where they found, you know, where where all of these rituals and... and, and politics and stuff come from so then it kind of infected him and then he comes back as this ready to take over the the family business and Um, i could see that totally happening too because like one little detail that i got just from doing some reading that came from the book but wasn't really presented as well in the movie was when mccluskey essentially broke michael's face you know broke his jaw and fucked up his eye and everything he when he went to italy he chose not to get it fixed because was, he felt i feel like they like i was getting really confused about the timeline because well, the it timeline, kept sh- showing that thing anyways. on his face i'm like is has this only been a week like that well, should have healed up by now well one thing i'd say the timeline's really fucked anyways because remember when don Vito was shot he was shot in the street that was during uh, yeah. winter, like earlier that or the night before. They they kidnapped Tom Higgins and it's snowing like crazy. But when they yeah. show Vito get shot, there's no snow to be seen. And like when they're driving of Tom, you see like you see people walking around in like looks like summer clothing. So the timeline's <laughs> fucked anyways. Cra- cra- crazy weather we're having. <laughs> but no, it's like apparently he thought it made him look tough, and it it kind of helped him, you know. Um, so people wouldn't fuck with him as much because like before that he had a baby face and he had no reputation yep. and everything. But then they talk about later on about how Kay asked him to get it fixed. But like, it's just a weird little detail that I found in, that they, I heard that happened in the book, and I was like, well, that makes sense to the motive of of him in Italy and what I think it's doing for his character. Right. Um, that being said, actually talking a little bit about the book, I haven't read it. Uh, my buddy Fink, who was supposed to be on the show, has. 
while ago. But I was reading the Pauline Kael um, review for The Godfather. And the biggest thing she talks about in there is how Mario Puzo's book is a trashy little crime novel that even he admits he wrote far beyond his own means of writing because it was a quick buck. But, um, um, because he said, she said it's nothing but misogyny and gun violence and cheating husbands and there's no death behind anything. Yeah. But Francis Ford Coppola adds all that depth and interest that the book never gave us. So I found that interesting that it was essentially a little like pulpy book that he was asked to make a movie of and he, you know, made for what people a lot of people consider one of the greatest movies of all time i find that really amusing myself right it it made you read not that um it ended up being anything amazing but i'm thinking of it 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 was pure crap but um you know this 50 shades of gray Mm -hmm. thing where the books are just god awful um but like now i'm imagining francis ford Coppola or Coppola uh, receiving like that pit like okay Frank we need you to make Fifty Shades of Grey and he's like alright I'm going to add some depth into this <laughs> I'd watch if Francis Ford Coppola directed Fifty Shades of Grey movie I saw the first one it wasn't good at all <laughs> it's kind of how I felt like I, I saw the first Twilight movie uh, yeah. a friend of mine she, uh, it was before Twilight really blew up I think the only first book had come out and like she's like oh you should read this vampire book. And I was like, oh, Twi- I've never heard of this. So I read it, and I didn't like it very much. <laughs> um, the most interesting part was when they're trying to kill the main character because I didn't really like her very much. <laughs> but then, like, you know, then then the, the book started taking off a little bit, and I was like, oh, shit, I didn't think this to, this was going to become a thing. I thought it was... I, it just was the, any other young adult novel. I didn't think right. it was anything particularly interesting. And I was like, anything that's happening here, Anne Rice has done better earlier, but whatever. Um, but she was like, hey, do you want to go see the first movie? And I was like, I don't have any money. And she's like, I'll pay for you to go see it. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll go see the first movie with you. What? And we went, and the funny thing is, uh, the theater we were seeing it at was showing it in two different, uh, like, side-by-side screens. Everyone was in one, and I could not, you know, I could, every girl in the theater was freaking out if things were inaccurate, or they didn't kiss at this point. And I was like, can we go to the theater next door? No one was in there. So I was actually able to watch the movie, and I was like, this is garbage. <laughs> and you know me, I don't like to really badmouth movies, but that yeah. movie was garbagey. What, uh, I don't know if you'd be able to recall it, I can. What is the worst film that you've ever seen? Mm. Uh, okay, I, I, I think I got it. It was, uh, I don't remember the, the female lead, but it was a Gerard Butler romantic comedy called The Bodyguard. Nice, not to be confused with the Whitney Houston, Kevin Costner. No, maybe it was something, the bodyguard something, but it was the bodyguard. Okay. Gerard Butler was like a hitman bodyguard type dude, and it was supposed to be like cashing in on like those crazy, like, you know, action oriented romantic comedies where these two people don't like each other, but then they fall in love. And I just thought it was an insult to my intelligence, and I don't feel that often. That wasn't the one with um, uh, Jennifer Aniston, was it? Yes, it was. Okay. Boom! I I didn't see it, but I remember the trailer. Oh, I hated that movie. And then the friend I was with is like, I was saying how much I disliked it, and she was like, "You're just not able to enjoy anything fun." And like, no, I can. This this was stupid, but beyond the point. <laughs> House of the Dead. 
the uh, fucking Uwe Boll movie? No, uh, I'm thinking the of one, Wait, what am no, I thinking the, of? The one based on the arcade game? Yeah, I think Uwe Boll directed that. Hey, let's let's do a little... Are you familiar with Uwe Boll? No. He does a lot of these adap- video game adaptations. He's a German dude who... Yeah, Uwe Boll directed it. He's a German guy who okay. has a lot of money for some reason. Uh, no one's quite <laughs> sure why. And he just makes all these really kind of shitty movies. German-Canadian-American action horror film. One thing I have to say, I have to give him credit for is he... Well, one, I think he's won more golden raspberries than anyone else. So good <laughs> on him. Uh, but then, like, at one point, like, he's... Last couple years, he's tried to make some decent films. Like, he, he's been trying to make some interesting stuff and i give him credit for that um but you know he gets a lot of bad reviews and at fantastic yeah. fest they have a thing called fantastic debates where you can you know you debate a topic and then you go into a boxing match with pads and everything and you you box each other and that's how you decide who wins and he had an open challenge for any critic that wanted to come in and and box him and box him and he beat the shit out of all of them because he's actually like a trained professional boxer that's funny. <laughs> and I was like, I love that he's making these crappy movies, but he's willing to box someone's ears in for for his artistic credibility. I, right. I, I, I'm not going to prove that I'm a good filmmaker by making good films. I'm going to prove I'm a good filmmaker by punching but, credits. <laughs> he's like the, the wild man of Hollywood. I have a weird, strangely, I have a weird like respect for him for that. <laughs> Uh, House of the Dead was garbage. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. He did, I, he I will did, not box him over that. He did the Blood Rain movies as well, and those are pretty fucking terrible. Okay. Uh, the only one I, I, he made that I really liked, he, you remember the video game Postal? The computer game? No. It was like, the whole point of the game was it's a 24-hour cycle where you have to play as the lead character, you know, going going to your job, coming home, going to the mall, all this other shit. But all, everyone in the game is so annoying that you have to get through the entire game without killing someone. <laughs> and he made, a, he made a movie based on it, starring uh, Scott Farkas from The Christmas Story. Oh, nice. I, I thought uh, you were going to say it's called Falling Down. <laughs> it's kind of. And it's it's like it's like there's a one point you get to go to the mall to like buy pants or something and like Gary Coleman's at the mall and like like you get a you get something if you go through the entire game without just brutalizing someone because everyone is <laughs> like one point you have to wait you have to wait in line at the DMV and you literally just have to wait for every person. This sounds like a horrible horrible video game. Yeah, pretty much. But, uh, Video game, not as escapism, but as all of the worst parts about life. Like The Sims, but not as fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just imagine if Uwe Boll would have directed The Godfather. Right. But anyways, why did you ask about my the, my the movie, my most hated uh, movie? What were you talking about just before that? How uh, I don't uh, like to really shit on films too much, but... Yeah, and, and something about that made me think, like, um, God, House of the Dead. So then I was just curious as to what yours was okay, so I, don't, I, I, I don't know if it's necessary i don't know if it would necessarily be twilight because i feel it's it's too it's it's a well-hanging fruit it's easy yeah uh so i was trying to think of something that legitimately just pissed me off when i saw it in the theater and that would have <laughs> and that was you know the bodyguard i wonder if that's Thing. actually what it's called let me look it up while i'm doing that pick our next p- pick what you want to talk about next our, our next um 
talked about the opener. I really wanted to talk about the Italy sequence and uh, Michael's motivations, um, how everybody was baby-faced. Um, yeah, I think it was called the bodyguard. Okay. Um, mm, I'm, I'm looking at t- stuff, too. Um Vito's reaction to Sonny getting killed kind of kind of like hurt my heart a little bit because it's like it wasn't Michael, was it? Oh, thank God, it wasn't Michael. And then like, but he did like shed those. He did shed some tears, but it was like he kind of knew this was going to happen. Sure, and I mean he 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 always wanted Michael to be out of the family business. He knows that Sonny's in it. He knows that Sonny's a hothead. Um so I think a part of him was always prepared for Sonny. Like, you know, it's like, um, no, it just, it, you know, he was ready for that. Yeah. Uh, though then there was like the meeting where he was trying to call a peace with all the families. I was like, we both lost a son. That was really sad. Now, I don't want to lose another son. But if anybody touches one hair on Michael's head, this is all over. But darn, this isn't this isn't personal. This is business. <laughs> business. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I have, like I said, such weird feelings about the film because, like, I feel like I liked it. Ultimately, I don't know how often I'm else I'm gonna watch it because I've already seen the fucking movie three times, and I think that's <laughs> right. good for that's good for a while. I would I'm like not, to see the sequels. I don't. I I am compelled to see the sequels. I don't feel compelled to watch The Godfather again, except maybe to get that spaghetti sauce recipe, which actually is really similar to mine. Except he didn't tell him to add salt or pepper to it. I mean, sugar. at the very least, you need salt. Sugar. I put sugar in my spaghetti sauce. You need a little. You need a little something sweet to help balance out the the acid and things. But you gotta add salt. But the, and then you add all the meatballs and the sausages. It, and... All at the. Oh, there you go. Mike, you got to learn how to cook with thirty guys. <laughs> right, you never That's a know. Very specific number of guys you got to learn to cook for. Twenty nine, they'll be fine. Thirty one, too many. <laughs> thirty. This feeds thirty. No seconds. <laughs> Who is it? Some girl. Hello, okay? He's good. He's gonna make it. Yeah, I know. Tell me you love me. Yeah, I can't talk. Can you say it? Yeah, I'll see you tonight. Hey, Mikey, why don't you tell that nice girl you love her? I love you with all of my heart. If I don't see you again soon, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Come over here, kid. Learn something. You never know, you might have to cook for 20 guys someday. You see? You start out with a little bit of oil, then you fry some garlic, then you throw in some. Tomatoes, tomato paste, you fry it, you make sure it doesn't stick. Mm-hmm. You got it to a boil, you shove in all your sausage and your meatballs. Huh? And a little bit of wine. And a little bit of sugar. And that's my trick. Why don't you cut the crap? I got more important things for you to do. How's Paulie? Oh, Paulie won't see him no more. Oh, one thing I did want to talk about because it came out of fucking nowhere. But I guess you know, if someone if someone backstabs you, this is this is how this would happen. I was legitimately surprised by Tessio. 
being uh, like the, the, the which the, one is he's the bitter he's like the brittle old man at the end who they end up killing off oh, Abe Bagoda. yeah Abe Bagoda. like him him turning on them surprised me to say the least i i that was one of the more effective things in the film was when um when brando was like and it was so cute like you know i've been doing this all my life but you know take, here here's my little bit of advice take it through you know <laughs> whoever is the one that tries to set the meeting is the one that betrayed you mm-hmm. and then so i spent like it was the first time that they actually set something up i felt yeah. like versus yeah. everything else so then i'm actually sitting there going who's gonna call the meeting who's gonna mm-hmm. try? And, and they show michael at the funeral looking around at, all right is it him is it mm-hmm. him? And then he comes over. We should set a meeting. And it's like, yep, he's the one that betrayed me. Yeah. And I was like, that was just a, a, a really well done. And then, like, it, it kind of goes with the theme of that it's not personal, it's business. At the very end, he's like, you know. I tell I think- Michael, you know, Michael needs to know. I was just, it was just about, you know. It was nothing personal. Yeah. And because, like, I believe that Tessio legitimately cared about Don, the Don and his family. He just, he's looking out for his own interests. Right. You know, because, well. honestly, he wouldn't have stayed, because Dave Vigoda's old as fuck in this movie. He wouldn't have stayed right. with that family if he wasn't happy. Because <laughs> the the Don gave them op- an opportunity to go start their own family whenever they wanted right. to. And they chose not to, yeah. up until, you know, Sonny took over, or Sonny died, and then, you know, Michael was taken over. And they're like, fuck, okay, we could put up with Sonny, but Michael has no idea what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> We're going to go start on. our own family <laughs> with Blackjack and Hookers. <laughs> Uh, but forget about the black chat. <laughs> yeah, and forget about the crime. <laughs> I'm, tra- um, I'm 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 uh, one thing I wanted to talk about over our notes is um or from my notes is the imagery of oranges. Okay. Did you I pick up on right that from from the from the when he finally has his heart attack and dies? There are, I, I might have missed a couple scenes. If you look up a list of oranges in The Godfather, you're going to find even more. Really? It's a, a running motif throughout the movie that I personally believe are, is featured in any important scene of, that's usually life-altering in some way. There are oranges all over in the wedding. Oh, when he gets shot the first time, yep. he's buying oranges Mi- there, from the there's produce. There's also oranges in Mr. Wolf's dining room. He was the producer who had, his he- had a horse's head in his bed. Okay. Uh, Don Corleone buying oranges when he's shot. Um, Don Corleone's meeting with the five families when he kind of deduces who he's going to fucking kill. And Don Vito's death, and there's more. There's oranges throughout the okay. entire film. Of What's the... I mean, other than just being a little visual indicator, a little wane, what's uh, the significance? I'm not 100% sure, so I'm going to look it up. I, guess I, I know what I believe. I believe it's, it's an indication of something bad about to happen. Uh, but I don't Just know. Just a bad omen. But yeah, bad but omen. It could have been pears or pomegranates or whatever, and yeah. accomplished the same thing. Because there's uh, something. Is there a reason why it's oranges? That I'm not too sure about. Because I checked the, uh, the first thing that comes up when I search the Godfather oranges is a website called Schmoop. <laughs> And it says, oranges appear whenever death is in the air. When the godfather gets shot in the streets, he's buying oranges, which scatter on the ground as he falls. When Vito dies at the very end, 
it's while peeling an orange and putting the rind in his mouth to make funny faces at his grandson <laughs> before, <laughs> before the horse head shows up in Jack Waltz's bed. We see oranges at the table where he eats dinner with Tom Hagen. Oranges show up at the meeting with the fine families near the mob boss who be whack. Why? What's so deathly about oranges? Who knows? Oh, this person says, who knows? Um, okay. There's no occult Sicilian association with oranges. Um... The entertainment.time.com did an article. It's, what's the deal with all the oranges? <laughs> um, for production designer Dean Tavarius, I'm if you're listening Since, to this, Dean, I'm sorry. We butchered that one. <laughs> uh, oranges were simply another careful chosen compliment to otherwise somberly dressed sets. We knew this film wasn't going to be about bright colors and oranges making nice contrasts. I don't okay. remember anybody saying, "Hey, I like oranges." A symbol- symbolic message. So apparently. Oh, so so he's saying that it's more coincidence. That, that they, is interesting. It was just then. a set dressing choice. But I found a list, and it, apparently in the sequels they they show up too. So maybe after the first one they're like, "Oh fuck, that was a good idea." Right now it's a thing. Because <laughs> here's all the time oranges are mentioned. Are you ready? Yep. So the first time we we see Sal, he tossed himself an orange at Connie's wedding. He later betrays Michael. Bye bye. There's a fruit basket with oranges in front of Sandra as she gestures to others the size of her husband Sonny's manhood. Oh yeah. yeah. There's a bowl of oranges in front of Waltz. We know what happens to his horse. There are oranges <laughs> around when Sawazo enters the Don's office for the meeting. Dead man. Right before he was shot, Don Corleone bought two oranges. Oh, and it says, oh man, oh man, and omen. <laughs> and as he topples to the street, the Don upsets a basket of oranges into the street. When I love the s- idea of upsetting a basket uh, of oranges. <laughs> I know. When sitting with his father after he returns home from the hospital, Fredo sits next to a fruit basket of oranges. He later betrays the family, and his prayers cannot help him. At the commission meeting of the five, fa- five family, bowls of oranges are placed in front of the Don, uh, Philip, Tataglia, and Barzini, all of which die. What does Don Vito have in his mouth a moment before he dies? Yup, an orange. <laughs> Not fruit, but Carl gets his ass whipped by Sonny while wearing an orange suit. <laughs> uh, it's true, though. Not fruit, but Kay wears an orange coat when she comes looking for Michael at the compound. Not fruit, but Michael's tie when he talks with Mo. Orange. And also not fruit, but more orange clothing. Uh... Uh, masseuse, the masseuse's pants, the woman behind Barzini's uh, who falls on the steps, and the assassin's shirt at the revolving door. Uh-uh. So, oranges, man. Yeah, tutti. Yeah. So, I don't know if we'll ever know. Like, granted, like I said, the production designer says it was all incidental, but it's kind of funny that it, it showed up in, in such an interesting way throughout the film. It's, uh... I, I once, I don't remember if I was told or I read it somewhere, um, not to worry too much about putting meaning into things because uh, whoever reads it or watches it will find something somewhere in something you did and feel that it's really significant. <laughs> I'm going to start putting that to the test. I'm just going to start putting like little ceramic hobos and everything I right. make and see <laughs> if people catch on to what I'm supposed to be saying about homelessness. and. <laughs> Uh, the the first film I did, um, I I tried to do it, but I had too much on my plate, and it fell by the wayside pretty early on. I had a little toy rhinoceros that I tried to sneak into every single scene. You told me about the toy rhino. 
So it's in a couple of the scenes, but That's um, funny. boy, I, I wouldn't even know where it is anymore. I know several of them made the final cut, but that's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, hey, I'm kind of running out of juice right now at the, uh, on right. the topic. Well, I got um, another film that I saw recently. Ooh, tell me, tell me, uh, tell me. Excited me. Uh, I finally saw Get Out. What did you think of Get Out? I freaking loved it. It's so good. It was amazing. Like, if someone would have told me that one of the dudes from Key and Peele would make a hor- not only a horror film that would get uh, Academy Award nominations, but he'd win Best Screenplay, yeah. I'd be like, really? <laughs> <laughs> like, don't get it's, me wrong, I love Key and Peele and all, but really? It's so smart and so well done, and, it, and the whole uh, flipping... Not only racism on uh, flipping the script on horror films to represent racism, but also that like that not 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 the racism of our parents' generation, but the modern racism of like, oh, that's fun, you know, like that <laughs> good intentioned racism. <laughs> no, I know exactly. It's like I, I I think I I remember hearing um um the uh. uh Jordan Peele, wow, I could not think of his name, uh, <laughs> talking about how he's like, it's too easy to have, like, you know, the white conservative southern racist. He's like, it's too right. easy. He's like, he wanted, that to, have, been he wanted to show, like, the liberal family that is, that is there for the plight of the black man who still Doesn't says stupid get it. stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I thought every part, of, but it also, like, while it did a great job of representing that, it it wasn't obnoxious it wasn't no. it wasn't avatar right the where like okay we get it you want to save the environment like they it was still a self-contained film that was enjoyable as a film that wasn't super preachy you know it was it was so smart i loved it no and it's like, this gets thrown a lot or thrown around a lot but for me it was like a contemporary episode of the twilight zone just yeah. elongated and stretched and totally like i i thought it was fantastic it was probably my favorite movie of last year and i didn't think anything was gonna knock baby driver off the top seat but that one i did not see get out did uh, a couple things i saw um well i took my mom to go see book club last night and that movie was not very good i didn't think it was <laughs> going to be but she she likes the act the actors in it and she doesn't get out of the house very often so it's like fuck it i'll take you to go see book club right yeah uh me and amanda saw the new mo- horror movie hereditary very recently i don't want to talk about too much because it's still really new okay but it's a really great horror film and it's one i definitely recommend seeing in theaters if you get a chance to uh, and then one thing that's been kind of fun is is turn to classic movies occasionally will do like a disney from the vault and they pull shit out that normally doesn't get the light. You know, it's not like Little Mermaid and right, Pocahontas, yeah. you know, things that we er, can see very easily. Like, their theme this time was, like, dog movies. Like, kind of like like in movies they made around the time of Old Yeller that were, were popular. Like, yeah. one of them was, like, The Legend of Lobo, which is, like, Disney <laughs> doing, like, a, a, a nature documentary type thing. And it had a singing cowboy narrating it. That was kind of fun. And they'll, and, and before each one, they'll put like a little short of some sort, whether it be like a Mickey mouse cartoon. And they're all yep. the old ones where Walt was still voicing Mickey. So that's great fun to see. But then I, they had a, a, a short called a trip through the Walt Disney studios. That was pretty great. And it was made before snow white came out. 
Okay. And it was uh it was like his Hyperion studio. So um and it's kind of great because he didn't did not make it for the intention of having anyone um for for the public to see. He made it just for RKO Pictures because they were distributing Snow White. And at this okay. time, most people didn't know how animated film were, was made. So it's a 15-minute short that goes into the, all the, the nitty-gritty specific details of how animation is made. Even how they sync up sound and what oh, the an, awesome. how the animators like base their own facial patterns for the characters. And it was kind of great seeing like, this one dude with a huge fucking stogie in his mouth just <laughs> angrily drawing. And Amanda was commenting how great that was. And I was like, well, at the time, and Stan Lee did this with comic book artists too... People didn't strive to be a comic book artist. They didn't strive to be a cartoonist. They were usually men who worked in a who worked in a factory or just came back from war, who were either laid off or couldn't get a job. Who had some some minuscule amount of art talent that both Stanley or Walt Disney be like, hey, you can draw. Come work with me, and we'll make cartoons. Right. It wasn't <laughs> like you know nowadays kids like start from a young age like oh I want to I want to draw comic book characters. Right. At this yeah. time, it was just a job. Like, yep. hey, I can draw a little bit. I can, I can fucking draw Superman punching Adolf Hitler in the face. Perfect. Um, <laughs> and that's how it came to be. So it was, it was this fascinating little look. And like, Walt Disney introduces it, and it's not the Walt Disney I I grew up with, where like at late night in Disney Channel they'd show like the old like tour of Walt Disney Studios things. Welcome, like, to, uh, yeah. And it like you know he'd do like where this. Imagination t- happens. Yeah, it wasn't any of that, which I love those. If I could get a collection right. of all of those. I'd be so happy. This is Walt, like, kind of leaning on his desk like this. And is like, welcome. is like, like, I am Walt Disney. And, like, he's talking. And, like, there's, like, a, a secretary next to him typing everything he's saying. And he looks so painfully nervous. It looks like he just put out a cigarette. But if you think about it, this is before Snow White came out. He put all of his fucking money into this. Yeah. And, like, he's, they're probably like, let's make this thing for RKO Studios. He's like, do we have to? <laughs> and he looks so stressed out that it's kind of adorable that he's probably like this is all my money and now we're doing this this sucks remember kids stay away from the Jews <laughs> oh that's not the Walt Disney I believe in yeah. damn you um, Nick one more thing I saw oh real um, quick I was going to say about that, that thing oh, I, don't, I don't know yeah. if it's on YouTube but do you have cable or know anyone who does have cable I do not. Well, do I I'll, I'll let you borrow mine because my mom has cable, so I borrow her Turner Classic Movie. It's on. Okay. It's on TurnerClassicMovies.com until tomorrow. So if you have any interest oh, okay. in watching it, you can log in using my using my mother's information. Nice. And uh, why don't you just tell our listening audience what your mom's logged in? in no, I'm not. I'm probably gonna cut this part out too. Uh, okay. So if you want to, if you want to see it, it's it's available. Okay, I I am covering the county council meeting tonight, so I I won't be able to. Well, I'll find it on YouTube for you, and I'll post it on our page or something. Awesome. Anyways, wh- what else did you see? Um, I saw Solo. What did you think? Oh, I want to talk about Solo. What did you see about? What did you think about Solo? I think it was the best Star Wars film outside of the original trilogy. Yes, one hundred percent. And, and and it may be somewhere in there, but I kind of think of episode four, five, and six as kind of equally good, and Solo fits right in there with all of it. No, and like actually talking about The Godfather, he yeah. lit that fucking movie like The Godfather. Mm. Think about how naturalistic that was. Sure. It, it didn't look yeah. or feel like any other Star Wars film. One thing I loved about it too was Ron Howard really shows his directing chops in that movie, yeah. where like all the action is very 
is very clear and precise. You know exactly uh, like where all the action is at because he's not cutting around so much. Even that car chase at the beginning where he's like in the speeder like how often he's got the camera right on han as he's driving and he's shooting it like an old 70s car chase yeah yep here's 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 why i think it's so good people tend to think of it how can i word that it's so such a big idea i'm having a hard time uh formulating a way to say it when people think of Star Wars films, they're thinking of big, grandiose things with lightsaber battles, and that's not really what the first trilogy was about. The first, no. tri- especially New Hope, was about a core group of people who, sure, existed in a big world, but you didn't see that big world. You filled that in over time so that when you go back and watch A New Hope, you know all that stuff is there, but it's not in A New Hope. No. It's about a core group of people on a very specific mission. It it feels like a small story in a big world where all things outside of that trilogy are big stories taking place in a big world. Solo got back to a small story that sure winks at the the rebellion that's about to be born and winks at this, but it it's a heist movie. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's all it is. And then like, and it's so good because of that and then a couple of the little things i thought like i said ron howard you could really see that he's a student of cinema yeah. that that war scene at the beginning was the greatest war scene we've ever seen in a star wars film but then the way they introduced like um um woody harrelson when he's on top of that hill just it's like this could have been an, a john wayne introduction in one of his westerns totally yeah and then like yep. the way they have his hair and his mustache he looks like errol flynn it's like there's so many weird little like nods and winks to like cinema history and westerns and shit yeah. that well, like i feel like he got it he w- han solo in a new hope was a gunslinger exactly and he was a gunslinger who happened to be in space yeah like that's how george lucas directed that first film was he was making a sci-fi film based around all of his other influences i yeah. feel like most people now when they make a star Spaghetti wars film, westerns they're making a star wars film right ron howard felt like he was making a western heist film in right. space and that's why which, it worked which ron howard was probably there when george lucas was coming up with all of this stuff so they were friends that he would have right uh Amer- they did american graffiti together, yeah didn't and the, they? i heard rumors that george lucas was behind the scenes with ron howard a couple times yeah I don't know how true uh, it is, but I at, wouldn't At the very least, had his ear to bend and the, the history, uh, like being there when when A New Hope was originally conceived of to have a perspective on it that most people don't. Yeah, and like I, I thought the casting was fair. I, I loved uh, the actor they had to play Han, but I told you I told you from the beginning that I, I had faith that he was going to be great yeah. because of his work in Hail Caesar. Right, yeah, yeah, you sent me... I never watched that clip. He's I so fucking charming, though, in that scene. And then uh, Donald Glover as Lando is perfect. Oh, God, so good. Because, <laughs> like, it's very easy to take that character and make it a parody. Right. And he never did. Yeah. And they they made him cool without him being too cool. Like, they, they took many opportunities to knock him down a notch. Yeah, which I thought was really nice. But in his, he played it like in his mind, he's the coolest person on the planet. Yeah. Oh, and was it uh, L nine? L three. Yeah, L three. L three. Oh, what a great character! <laughs> I, I love how L three accidentally starts a robot 
uprising and then it's like oh oops look what i did this is great uh, i don't know the, just why don't you go free people i don't know get out of my way one of the one of the lines that made me laugh the most is when like lando gets up and i was like can i get you anything l3 and she's like equal rights yes yeah. <laughs> and he just looks so annoyed oh uh, i i set myself up for that one yep i should have known <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad you loved it too because I, I'm in the same boat. Like this and Rogue One, I think are the best batch of Star Wars films since the original three. Yeah, I uh, only have seen the like last ten minutes of Rogue One. I own it, have not. Watched well, I was it talking to a friend of mine, and uh, you know this 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 Godfather episode is becoming now the Star Wars episode. Uh, <laughs> I was talking to a buddy of mine. He's like he's like the I, he's like the first you know Force Awakens and the Last Jedi. He's like I've with over two movies. I still don't really care about these characters he's like right. rogue one i got one movie with these characters and i liked them yeah because yeah. they're not trying to tell this gigantic story also did we really need to blow up the death star again <laughs> really yes. yes how many times are we gonna blow up this freaking death star it's a new death star this one they made into they made a planet into the death yeah. star Ooh. it's different nick it's different <laughs> I bet they got secret plans that they like. We've heard it before. Tell me yeah. something new. Thank you, Solo, for telling me something new. Yeah, <laughs> and not trying to tell me about the entire universe that this exists in. Just tell me, tell me somebody's story. Yeah, and he gets it. Ron yeah. Howard got it. Yeah. So and the two guys they fired apparently didn't get it, or they right. still have the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All I have to say is, what do you expect from the guys that directed Twenty One Jump Street in the Lego Movie? Like nothing against the Lego them. Lego Movie is freaking amazing. I haven't so, seen Twenty One Jump Street. I love both Twenty One Jump Street movies, but they just seem like a strange choice for a Star Wars movie. <laughs> right. Like nothing against them. It's just like the the, the complaint was, when they watched their footage. It's like this movie's too funny. Like it, okay. it can't take itself seriously. Right. I was like, well, what do you expect from those guys? <laughs> right. What. <laughs> But you know, that's maybe poor choice. Um, you know, just they—they're gonna do what they do. Yeah. But Nick, I think that's—I uh, think that's everything. That's the, that is the Godfather. <laughs> and a little bit of extra, you know, a little bit of extra. And I found—that's uh, what we do. I found that a trip through Walt Disney Studios. I will send it to you, and awesome. I'll post it on our page so everyone can oh, watch yes. it too. Great idea. All right. Well, thank you all again for listening. Uh, we finally got the dots. Oh, question. Question for you before we officially wrap up. What okay. do you want to do next? Do you want to do our shameful Ooh. episode or do you want to do something else? Um, you know what? I'm going to push off our shameful one to um, August because I should have more time for being able to digest a double feature. Okay. What do you want to do until then? Um... Let me pull up the list. Oh, where is that? That's because this one was on both of our shame lists, so it's kind of yeah. hard to like make like figure out who's next. We it, we've been so inconsistent lately. <laughs> so I think we could go in in either direction. Where's my? Okay. I'm trying to find mine as well. Uh, dun, 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 dead air, dead air, dead air. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, I don't remember. I'm trying to find it on Letterboxd, and I'm struggling. I have mine. We should have both of ours as notes on our Facebook page. You're right. We should. 
<laughs> All right, Michael Sh Shameless. Notes. I'll, uh, should I just start n naming things off, or how do you want to do this? Na name things that that are sound exciting to you. Well, um, there's a Charles Bronson movie on here that I haven't seen called Ten to Midnight. Uh, American Graffiti. That's one I haven't seen yet. Which um, we just referenced. Yep. Uh, this is taking forever to load. Yeah, my, mine didn't. Mine wasn't necessarily fast either. <laughs> Night Riders is one I wanted to see. It was a George, George Romero movie about um, like a Renaissance troupe of uh, of jousters, but they ride motorcycles. <laughs> Amazing. The, the tagline is Camelot is just a state of mind. <laughs> I need to update this. There are several that we've checked off. Matinee is one I wouldn't mind seeing at some point. The Joe Dante movie about uh, mm. um, it's supposed to, it's it's, it's tongue in cheek about William Castle um, and about like a uh, the last screening of a movie before during the Cuban Missile Crisis right before they believe the world's gonna get blown up. Okay. Um, how about... What do you got, Nick? What do you got? Mad Max? The original? Yeah. Hell yeah, let's do Mad Max. I've been wanting okay. to watch it anyhow. I have not seen it. You've, you've, have you seen any of the Mad Max movies? Zero Mad Max. Not even Fury Road? Not even Fury Ooh, Road. Well, then well, this will be fun. We're going to do the original Mad Max next week. All right, and so when we don't do that for the next three episodes... <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure something else out. All right, Nick, I think Mad Max is a great choice. Awesome, and a good follow-up to The Godfather. <laughs> exactly. Well, didn't, like, let's just point out the fact that we followed up Gone with the Wind with Moonraker. Yeah, no, I think it's good that it, it feels like we've properly shuffled. Like, can no, I just not getting all the face cards we, right next to each other? We had a four episode. This, this is our five episode run we did during the first season. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, In the Mouth of Madness, Gone with the Wind, Moonraker, and Doctor Horrible's Sing Along Block. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Take all that right. theme. Yeah. All right, Nick. Well, you have a good rest of your day. I'm gonna go you pick too. up ham and rolls from the bakery. Ooh, have fun with that. I'm going to uh, edit stuff. Not this. <laughs> no, well, I'm I'm probably actually going to get a start on this because now yeah. uh, SoundCloud, if we stick with SoundCloud, has the ability where you can pre-upload something That's and, right. pick a, and, and pick a date. It. Yeah. Nice. But, uh, and uh, I, I'm sure uh, all those who care and watch regularly will have noticed, but we have now changed our drop date to fridays yep yep i think i mentioned that on facebook i'm gonna re-mention it it just helps my editing schedule out because <coughs> you know if, if we nick court on a tuesday or wednesday for those who care about the inside baseball aspect of a podcast <laughs> that only gives me one night to edit yeah and our I've, both your and my schedule shifted quite a bit from season one to season two our personal one work schedules and stuff so it was kind of a necessary shift yeah, but it's still, we're still going to, you know, other than once or twice, we have not really missed any episodes. I know we have, there was one period where we missed, like, we went an entire, like, episode schedule without posting anything, but that was kind of a necessary evil. But. Yeah, we, I, I like to think that each season, 
we did a buy. We did a single buy to go, you know what, this is the one that we're going to, that like stuff's too crazy right now. Yeah, and like while not every episode we've necessarily covered a movie, I try to make sure something goes up. So does Nick. Yeah. We try, like even if it's, you know, just us talking about like, sometimes I'll just, since I've got, yeah. I buy so many movies, I just need a place to talk about them. <laughs> and I try and actually watch movies occasionally. <laughs> I have more movies than I have time I for. Like, I just yeah. got Barton Fink in the mail on Blu-ray, and I was like, I don't know when I'm going to have time for you, and I just set it down. <laughs> you, you go up on the shelf. <laughs> I put you here, and I never think about you again. <laughs> but I own you now. Yep. All right, Nick, is there anything last before we uh, head out? I don't think so. Great episode. I like it so. I, 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 th- I think it was good. I'm, I'm really happy like- with this episode. I like the the meteor ones that give us uh, something to dive into. This was one of those. And for me, having done very little reading before in this movie, I think we had a good discussion. Yeah. I think so, too. All right, dude. Have All a right, good Nick. one. I will. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.